Millions of despairing men, women and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the US Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Shalom, it's Lady Shore. Welcome back to Swing Good Torah. We are blessed to be joined today by the infamous, famous Jeff Lippman of the Garden of Doom. Is that right, Garden of Doom podcast? That's right. You really make it sound famous when you say, is that right? Um, and for those listeners of Garden of Doom, yeah, we are doing a crossover today. So we are on Lon Shore's YouTube channel, Sweet and Good Torah. Um, and we're doing Garden of Doom also. And we have uh, another gentleman too, who Lon will introduce in, in a second. But yeah, we're, we're going to talk about some of the mystical and, you know, the th things that we visit on the show time and time again, the Nephilim, giants, floods, angels, demons, all that stuff. But both Lon and Moshe are much better uh, at, uh, you know, the, the Judaical religious um, philosophies and, and doctrine than I could possibly be. So uh, we're going. We're, we're we're like you said. We're blessed to have both of those gentlemen on uh, on on this crossover. So if you hear Lon talking about his show or me talking about mine, don't, you're in the right place. Don't worry. Okay. So we also have uh, Moshe Cohen with us today, and it's going to be kind of like worlds colliding, or we're mixing matter, antimatter together. So we have Moshe as the neutron. He's keeping it all together. Hopefully, he's going to keep this thing from exploding. The world will be safe after we're done here. And uh, I so. Uh, Moshe, any uh, quick hellos, or I just want to dive uh, in? It's, it's, it's very nice to be here. 
Um, I know nothing. I know compared to the to uh, to the people here, I probably know very little. But I'm here. Uh, I I will say that I uh, I I've enjoyed the learning that I've done in in uh, the realm that we're talking about, and uh, and I felt that I've felt that uh, living um, my life using the the knowledge that I that I've gained, uh, the little knowledge that I gained. Um, in this uh, part of the of of Judaism, of Torah, um, has gained a lot and, and has, has helped me become what I I would say a better person than I would have been. So, leave it wow. at that. Hi, so uh, so me and Jeff, we go way back to our college years, uh, freshman dorm at Emory University, and uh, I guess we both uh, held on to the love of the, the mystical stuff throughout the years. Uh, should we start with one of your favorites, the Nephilim? Should we dive right in? Or? Sure. The funny thing is, it's true. I've known you since 1986, but I don't think I've seen you since 1990. So. Yeah, I, ah. it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Yeah. Well, do. <laughs> yeah so, uh, so the Nephilim in, uh, in Lashon Kodesh in Hebrew, the word Nephilim, it means like the fallen ones. So we learn, we learn more about them in the Zohar Kodesh, in the Holy Zohar. It tells about these two angels, Azza and Azael. So it's interesting. So they were talking to Hashem. They were talking to the infinite creator. And they were getting really mad at watching human beings put down on planet Earth. And they were saying, oh, these guys are doing all kinds of errors. They're doing sin. You know, why did you create these guys? And, uh, and God, he says to them, he says, it's not so easy. If you were in the physical world, you'll feel the temptation of all the physical desires. And he kind of like he kicks them out of Shemaim, he kicks them out of heaven, and he puts them, I guess, into some kind of physical body. And the Zohar says they come down to earth, and then the Torah says, right, they, they, uh, the Nephilim, which means the fallen ones, they have relations with, uh, they marry uh, human women, and, and they give birth to the giants. That is great. So, <laughs> so the Nephilim are actually the, you know, the angels who strayed. They're not the offspring because that's that's the big discrepancy I get. I get a lot of times that the angels are one thing and the Nephilim are the giants. And then others are that the Nephilim are actually the angels and their offspring are the giants, you know, sort of demi-Nephilim, if, if you will. And by the way, you're, what you just said is, is also my interpretation. Um, but, so I, I, yeah. I'll say this, though, just to interrupt. There are so many different versions of, of different uh, or, or concepts that are brought out from this. Um, you know, if you look at just the, the plain, simple meaning uh, of, the, of, the, of the wording, <clears throat> Rashi, the uh, great commentator that's considered the greatest commentator in the Torah, um, and he's written, he was, you know, about a thousand years ago or so, uh, said, no, it's actually just the, the uh, it, it really, the, the fallen ones, this is not at all anything like what, what Lon just said, which, you know, he's saying, no, it's just the, the, the leaders of the, of, the, of the world were having relations with the commoners and, the, and the, maybe the wives of commoners, and, and, that, and that created, uh, you know, this, this crazy tumult of, the, of what was going on in the world at the time. And then, really, the Nephilim, was, uh, the giants were something completely else. Uh, Lon, do you want to talk about that? 
So where where are you getting that source from? You're, you're, you're saying that's that's a, let me go to Rashi. Okay, so I mean, I mean, my understanding from the Zohar and other places is that um, right. So first, let's talk a little bit about like what is the malachim? Like what actually is an angel, and how are they different from human beings? So human beings in the physical world were made out of mainly elements from two components. We're mainly made from water elements and and earth elements. So all you know, if we look at the elements of the periodic table, we're, we're made from you know solids and liquids. Whereas the malachim who live in Shemaim, who live in the heavenly sphere, they actually malachim are combinations of fire and water, which is impossible in the physical world. Sure. So. In, so in the spiritual world, there's these higher spiritual beings that are some kind of combination of like uh, water elements, you know, energy elements. You know, I mean, they would look like some kind of like electrical plasma fire. Like it, it would kind of be out of our comprehension, but they can't come into the physical world unless they're in a physical body. So us too, like we're a soul, like we're in a shama. We're, in a, we're a soul that's put into a physical body. So you need a physical body to be in the physical world. So my understanding is that Hashem created a physical body for these angels. Now these angels are also, they're almost like spiritual robots. They don't have what we have called the Yetzahara, the evil impulse. We have an e we have a Yetzahara and a Yetzaratov, an evil impulse and a good impulse. And we choose between the two. So who we are is choosing between these two. You know, we have thoughts racing through our heads. Sometimes we have good thoughts. Sometimes we have bad thoughts. And who we are but angels, Malachim, they don't have this. They completely are, you know, they serve the creator. They serve God. They don't have any of that, you know, uh, evil, you know, impulse or good impulse. They're just pure good in a sense that they just serve, they serve the creator. But when they came into a physical body, I think they were given that gates of heart and it like overwhelmed them. They weren't used to it. Like a person is used to like constantly having these physical desires and working on, we work on overcoming it. And I think they, they quickly were overwhelmed having the desires in the physical. Now, my, my understanding that it wasn't a mock locus that the Nephilim gave birth to the giants. I mean, it's like, I believe they're called the B'nai Elohim in the book. No, it, it says in uh, Parshish Bereshit, in, in Genesis chapter 6, okay. uh, verse 1, And it came to pass when man began to, incre began to increase upon the, the ground, and daughters born to them, the sons of the judges, B'nai Elohim, or Elohim in this situation, the sons of the judges saw the daughters of man when they were good. So Rashi says the sons of the judges, the sons of the lords and the, and the judges, alternatively, uh, they were angelic lords. So he gives two different possible ways. He says right. either the sons of the lords uh, or and, and the judges, and it says in, in, that uh, Rashi's Rabbi, uh, says in the Midrash that uh, Elohim is, up until this point is the sons of God, but it also is used in other ways, all of them derived from its basic meaning of authority. Uh, Rashi goes on to demonstrate in this vein, Rashi in his first explanation understands the word uh, here as lords or judges. According to Rashi's second explanation, Elohim is used in the sense of God, for scripture also uses the word to describe angels or messengers of God. So he says that these are people that uh, that could have been just the sons of the of the lords and the, and the judges of earth, or uh, B'nai Elohim means the, the angel, angelic lords who go on a mission of the omnipresent. They too would mingle among them. So he, he gives two explanations, I guess. 
Yeah, it could be man or it could be angel. Well, I think, well, I think it's in the sect of Giga. It gives like the different, I forgot which uh, Gamara Talmud is in it. I, I think it gives like there's about 10 classes of angels. And B'nai Elohim are one class of angel. I don't know. You guys, you guys are both lawyers. Do you know any judges that had any giant children? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, 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 I really... I really feel safe to hear that this is something a little different. This was like angels in physical bodies, and they gave birth to the giants. Like, well, it's interesting because angels, like you said, yeah. I always understood angels to be non-free will beings, right? They're robots, as you say. They're just like animals. Uh, they don't have free will. They don't. The only being that has that ever has free will is a human being. The human being has both an angel soul. Uh, higher level, uh, the shaman's soul that's in, in Shemaya in, in heaven, and then the animal part of him as well. And that makes us be able to have free will. Angels are only the animals of the spiritual world, and animals here are the physical animals. And they're just computers. They're, they're pre-programmed. You do something to them, they act. Well, these guys, they, they exercised a little free will when they saw the daughters of Adam and they pleased them. And they're like, hmm. Right? So what's the deal? Yeah. Right, so, so the actual, so actual Yetzirah itself, the actual, uh, the, the angel that's in, tr- in charge of evil or testing mankind is an angel itself. And it has three like very special roles. It's called the Samach Mem. So it works as the Yetzirah, it, it puts thoughts into people's heads, it tempts people. Then it works as the Satan, it works as the prosecutor. So in Rosh Hashanah, in the heavenly courts, it's prosecuting mankind, you know, trying to get a conviction. And then Chas if it gets the conviction, if someone's guilty on Rosh Hashanah, and they get convicted, and they don't get Kapara, they don't get atonement on Yom Kippur, it works as the Malach Mabes, the angel of death. So that's one very special angel. So since the actual element of evil was a fellow like angel with themselves. I don't think they ever felt its effects when they were in heaven. And I think when they were put into a physical body, they were kind of overwhelmed with that new experience of being tempted to do evil. You know, I think it was overwhelming for them. Hmm. Whereas like a person, yeah. Well, how does that happen? Uh, I mean, listen, God's supposed to be perfect and you know, his creations would be perfect. Uh, this would, would this would make the angels imperfect. They, they, they couldn't handle this. This is this is something that I mean. It's almost like the movie The Eternals, where the you know they didn't they didn't figure out that the deviants may uh, uh, you know st- stop eating dinosaurs and start eating people too. Uh, you know. Uh, so uh, what, what what happened here? Any creation? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Any, any by God is created perfectly. So the question is, what does perfect mean? It's perfect for, for what it's there to do. In this situation, if in fact these were two uh, malachim, two angels that were uh, acting this way, it was for a purpose for mankind, for whatever that purpose would be, either to learn something um, or to gain something for mankind, to, to, to move along the history of mankind, which is, has its ultimate end at, uh, at Mashiach, at, at, at uh, the end of th- days. So it doesn't have to be that the angels have to act perfectly. God created us, and we don't act perfectly in any way. But the creation of man is perfect for what what we need. We need reward and punishment. The only way to get reward and punishment is to be able to have free will and therefore make mistakes. So it's it's you know to say 
God is absolutely perfect. There's no question there. The question is, what what is there? Should these angels be perfect in order to gain what God wanted to gain from them? Long. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with what Moshe's saying. I mean, I think we look back to the beginning of Rashi's, the back back to the beginning of Genesis. We see that Adam Harishon, Adam the first man, he was created to tend the garden. Like Hashem literally created a garden. He took like the the best of the fruit trees and you know all the fruits and vegetables and put them into a garden. Like a garden designed by an infinite being, which is pretty incredible. And it means like the Gan Eden. It means the garden of delight, the garden of pleasure. And so we see our role, our job, is to take care of the world and to be like Hashem gives us this great ability to be his partner. He left He left creation slightly unfinished. He gave us a role to help bring it to completion. So that's a very powerful thing. So I think what I agree with what Moshe was saying. So Hashem created them looking to do jobs in the heavens. And occasionally they come down to earth and they do certain things down here. But he, they weren't created to be in the role of mankind. So when they were put in a role that they weren't created for, it may have been overwhelming for them. They were created perfectly for the job, you know, they were created for. But it's like, you know, the classic fish out of water. You take the fish out of the water and the fish can't survive. But the fish is created perfectly to live in that ocean, that water environment. You know, so I think they were out of their element. I think I understand what you're saying. Um, let, let's have a little bit of a more fun question. Okay. Well, maybe it's not more fun. Uh, or, or maybe it's the equal level of fun. But, so we have the Nephilim being described, or their offspring, uh, offspring being described as the great men of renown, the heroes of old. Now, they're with the daughters of Adam. Now, I understand that doesn't have to be literally the daughters of Adam, but we are on page six. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of begetting and begatting and all that. And I, and I understand, but, you know, if man number one was Adam, who are, who are these heroes of old? What's old? Who are the men of renown? Uh, you know, when, when were they achieving this renown as we're, you know, first populating, you know, a small corner of the land? Are you the Pusik in front of you or, uh, okay. So, um, so what, what's the general, the general question is who, I have to see the language of that, uh, that verse. I think what, what, he, what he's referring to might be, what, is it the end of, uh, Noah, are, are we talking about, uh, still B'nai Elohim or are we talking about, um, where it says that, uh, I, I, I the tower, yeah. the, level, the tower of Babel, Babel, uh, oh, we're way before that, but we're, we're still, yeah, we're still uh, that that quote you were on. You I think chapter, chapter six. I mean, do you the, chapter I do not. But your your verbiage yeah. was a little bit different, but it's similar. Right, but <laughs> I just to advance the story a little more too. So some of the uh, the giants, some of the offspring, are very famous. So we know of you know, and it says in the Torah. So there was a, there was one giant named Og, and there was one giant named Sichon. And so they actually became kings of their own kingdom. Like, and so I think it's around modern day Jordan. There was, there was a, Og was like, he was the king of this uh, kingdom called Bashan. And then I think right below him, like middle, you know, middle like Jordan was uh, Sihon's kingdom. So these giants had a great effect in the ancient world. I don't know if you're referring to the giants themselves, but you know, if you have like a 15 foot tall person or an 18 foot tall person, that's pretty, that's pretty intimidating. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, and, and especially in a warlike world, you know, in, in an ancient world of constant warfare, where, you know, physical strength is very powerful and very intimidating. So that could be a little bit of the question of, like, you know, men are not. Now, there's also an idea of, like, um, right, Moshe brought up the Tower of Babel, uh, Tower of Babel, that uh, the people are trying to make a name for themselves. They were trying to fight against God. Like, so how, you know, how can man fight against an infinite being? It's kind of like a foolish idea, but people come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. But they were trying to make a name, like, of a God that, you know, they, they felt like would be more powerful. Is the uh, the language of the angels or the, the the language of Babel is that is that the language that people call in Enochian? Ah, so, okay. You want to take that or? <laughs> well, before the, the Tower of uh, Babel, everybody was speaking what's called Lashon Hakodesh, which is the the holy tongue. Um, everybody spoke Hebrew basically. Um, after the Tower of Babel, which is an amazing event. Um, to, to look at exactly what happened there. Uh, but there's 70 different languages that came from that. <clears throat> and everybody got dispersed through those languages, through those uses, and, and changed into different nations. Um, but they, before that, everybody was speaking Hebrew. The world was created using the, the Hebrew alphabet. And that was what was always considered the, 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 lush, the, the, the language of the world. Well, Jeff Long, the author of my favorite book, The Descent, agrees with you because in his book he decided that Aleph was the first letter. <laughs> um, going back really quickly on, on the, the men of renown, I, I'm looking for it right now, but I, can, I can't find But there is a, uh, an idea that the men of renown are the ones that are mentioned in, in, the, uh, in Genesis, the, the, uh, the ones that were the, the descendant that was actually named um in the in the torah as the person who was the progeny of the last generation and the 10 generations from uh from adam to noah Noah. and and then from noah to abraham to another 10 generations and those specific words those names that were brought were the names of renown gotcha all right, so in the, all of the men of renown, the heroes of old, this was post-Adam. None of it was before Adam. It was after Adam. It's just that with the beginning and the begatting and the lifespans being so long and people were, uh, they were able to be fertile, you know, same age, you know, whatever, 13, 14 years old, but until some of them, until they were, you know, several hundred years old, uh, people were spreading pretty quickly. So the heroes of old were post-Adam, but pre-Noah. Well, yeah, and, 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 and through Noah. Noah is definitely uh, one of them. <laughs> well, that, that, that's one of the stories, is that Noah, you know, the, what was it, Lamech looked at his son and said, that's not mine. <laughs> I, I don't think that's exactly how they wrote it, but didn't he look at it and say, like, Noah didn't exactly look like a human? Uh, I, I never, heard, never heard that one before, but... <laughs> I've heard in lots of places, but you know what? I mean, here's the thing, is that I speak to a lot of clergy in a lot of different areas. And, you know, in, in some religions, the Book of Enoch and the walk, the Watchers and all that is doctrinal. Um, I always thought it was, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I always thought that that was Jewish doctrine, too, but it's not. Uh, you, you know, um, 
apparently it's it's not at all though i guess it it's it satisfies or serves some sort of uh sourcing some validation of of the, the covenant um but it's not am i right about that that the the dead sea scrolls the book of enoch the watchers all of that stuff that that, that is not actually part of jewish doctrine Right, yeah, so the Dead Sea Scrolls, I think they did have copies of some safers of the Torah, but then they had things that were outside of Torah. I mean, I, I think there's some theories that they were a, um, I mean, they're definitely not like a normative Torah group. They, some, I think there's some theories that they were, an early, they, were the, they were the early Christian group, like what's called, I think, the Essenes, or I don't know how people pronounce it, but they may have been the original Christians. It, so they, they were... Is I think they had like they were very into like the mikvah, which would go with their baptism, you know, the Christianity uh, baptism. But I, but it's, it's not it's that wasn't a standard that was a breakaway group that wasn't one of the standard uh, you know Torah groups back then. Right, and uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> and so we yeah the I don't I, I find that story to be so much fun the the whole book of Enoch and all that it, it's it's. Oh, so years and he walked like he walked with Hashem he walked with God and then Hashem just took him God right. took him and so he was one of there's a couple of men that lived such a holy life they were actually like elevated to the status of an angel like he was actually elevated to a status of a Malach and uh, so we have in the Zohar and the Midrash and we have like more stories of like Hanok and like what angel he became and what his role is in heaven so, yeah, Hanukkah is definitely a very interesting, uh, the book of Enoch, though, is not, it's not, it's not an official part of the Torah. Like, it's a outside, uh, you know, book of mysticism. But Enoch is absolutely in the, in the lineage. Right, yeah. so his name, right, his name, Hanuk is his name in Hebrew and Enoch, yeah, and he was a very holy person, right, he, he was definitely a sonny, a very righteous person in his day. What's he, Noah's great-great-grandfather or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think, right, he was, right, he was, like, was he, uh... He was, uh, let's see, right after him was Methuselah, uh, right, the, the, the longest living man. Right, yeah, he's, he's Methuselah's dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he is Methuselah, he is Methuselah. <laughs> Hanukkah was, uh, was, was, I guess, the great-grandfather of, of uh, Noah, of Noah. Um, I always wondered... Why he lived 365 years of all of all? Uh, there must be some reason yeah. that he lived the amount of years that of the, the amount of days of the of the one year around the sun. It's got to be a, no. Is there, no I, I forgot if Rashi said it or if it was in the Gemara, but they said that he um, right he was perfect, but the world around him was becoming corrupt. And if he had and if he had lived longer, he would have been corrupted by the people around him. So Hashem took him then. I believe that's what but, but, yeah, but, it, but they're right. There's something very fascinating. 365 years, exactly connected to the solar calendar. It's like one, like one lifetime. You know, you know, one year of life, one lifetime. You know, a perfect lifetime. And right, so he he was he was taken. He was a, so also another famous person that was uh, like elevated to the status of an angel was uh, Elijah the prophet, like Eliyahu Hanavi. And then we we have uh, we have also in our tradition that the, the famous Kohen Pinchas Phineas I think in English 
right? That he, he, him and Eliyahu, him and Elijah, the same person. He was also elevated, right, to the status of an angel. So we see all this. We, we're going, we're going in both ways. We're going the Nephilim falling down. <laughs> we got the Azza and the Azazels, you know, falling down. That we got, we got some human beings that are living such a holy life. They're going the other way. They're elevating themselves into like an angelic status, which is interesting. Right. I love the description of of the vehicles that take them up to heaven. It's very, uh, it's very spaceshipy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the you know chariot of fire, right? So, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, were we doing for plasma fire? I mean, but I think we're doing for more of a spiritual construct. There's also an idea from the Kabbalah that as you start to get out of our atmosphere, things become less completely physical and they start becoming more spiritual. So, like. Even the moon is somewhat maybe spiritual compared to like the physical earth we live in. And as you start going to the planets, they become maybe almost more spiritual than physical. It's very, I don't know what that means practically, but uh, you know, it's an interesting concept. I'm, I'm glad you don't because I certainly don't either. <laughs> I'm not even sure what it means metaphysically. The, 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 the moons and planets are more spiritual. Um, all right. So we have, we talked about angels. What about demons? Do we have, uh, does Judaism have demons? The dark side of the forest. Yes. You're going to go to the other side. Yeah, so let, so let me, real quick, let me give a quick intro. So, like, to use, like, the Star Wars, like, analogy. So there there's a positive spiritual energy that we can draw into the world called, like, Tahara. Tahara and Kedusha. Like, pure, spirit, pure, pure spiritual energy, holy spiritual energy. So learning Torah, doing the mitzvahs, we can pull this, like, positive energy into the world. And then, unfortunately, there's the other side. There's the Sitra Akra, the other side, the dark side. And there's a negative spiritual energy called Tuma. So, like, the people that would practice, like, you know, sorcery, witchcraft, they, they're going to, they go, they actually, they actually do the opposite of mitzvahs. They're, they're doing, like, Averas. They're doing sins and, and creating that negative spiritual energy. And then, and some, and there's one branch of it where I think they try to summon like these Shindalids, these demons into the world, because the demons can perform like magical like powers or illusions. Or... I haven't done it personally. It's Asr to do. It's, it's a mitzvah not to practice this stuff. But uh, but there are those people that practice. You know, not I'm not, you know, there's magical groups. I'm not saying this is something the Torah says to do. There's other groups outside of you know, Judaism that practice this stuff. Wait, what, what, what groups? <laughs> I mean, a lot of, if you look at a lot of the secret <clears throat> society, Groups like that, they, they generally are practicing magic. That's that's their whole... The what society? If you look at different secret societies, like the history of secret societies, generally mm -hmm. they're practicing magic. No, what kind, which, you know, give, me a, give me a name of, of one or two. I don't know. You can pick. I, I mean, uh, I mean, there was Aleister Crowley, who was like, a, I think, a famous sorcerer of the 20th century. I think it was Golden Dawn was, was one of his groups, you know. I mean, you can look up the secret society sometimes and, uh, you know, Mm, magic. All right. Do we have a do we have a devil? Is there is there a devil and is I'll just say he for lack of just to keep it simple is he Satan? There's no devil. There's there's Satan, which is we call Hasatan, which Lan uh, spoke earlier about. Uh, it's Hasatan, which is a prosecutor uh, angel. Uh, you could also, he's also the, the uh, Malach Amavis, which is the, the angel of death. He's the evil inclination, the, the desire to do evil that's put into man through that angel. 
to do to do bad, to do negative uh, things, to do the opposite of what you're supposed to do in order to give us free will. But there's no devil in the way that uh, uh, other religions would, would say that there's this this uh, uh, competent uh, beast-like uh, god-like character that's that's opposite of the good god. God creates all good and bad things, all good and evil. Everything comes from God. And God created Hasatan, the, the Satan, as well, to do his job. And he does his job just like any other angel would do. And without him, we would not be able to do the good and get the reward because we, if we didn't have that free will, we wouldn't have reward and punishment. It would be pointless. The creation would be pointless. So he does his job. He could almost say begrudgingly, although he doesn't have the will to do anything other than what God wants him to do. But if you look at the beginning of Job, the, the chapter, the, the book of Job, you actually see him for what he is. He, it's in, in the book of Job, in the beginning, it talks about you're, he, there, there's this big tribunal, there's this big courtroom, and God's the judge. And he says, what's going on with my, with my servant Job? Why is he so good? And Satan, Hasatan, says, well, it's because you won't let me go after him. Let me go after him. You know, let me, <laughs> let me prove to you that he's not so good. Because that's what his job is, right? So he says, okay, fine. Do what you got to do. Prove to me that he's not as good as I think he is. And so it's God talking to Sutton, Satan saying, do this. And Satan saying, fine, I'll do it. Or I can't do it because you won't let me. So it's clear that God is instructing Satan to do what he does. I, it's the ultimate proof of what that relationship between God and, and Satan is. That it's not this constant you know, war between good and evil. It's just, this is what God does. God needs, you, you need to have the ability to have that free will concept. So no, so no devil. Um, sort of demons, not exactly. Uh, with plenty of angels, including the angel of death. So that's pretty cool. Um, what about heaven and hell? We got the, you got a heaven and hell in, in Judaism? Right. Uh, so, so real quick, back to the, the Santan real quick. Just so, I mean, I think I think the difference is, right, the Torah says, like, there's only one all-powerful infinite being. There's only one all-powerful infinite God. There's no other power. So, right, the Satan in the Torah's perspective is just a servant. You know, but it's still the role is to tempt mankind. So from our perspective, it's a pretty powerful force. You know, this constant battle against our own physical desires, it's a pretty powerful thing from our perspective. But we just don't put it on, you know, like the Torah doesn't put them on the same level. There's no equal battle of good and evil. And the only and the really the only purpose of evil is just a sparring partner. But the ultimate purpose is to get rid of it. Yeah, there no, there's there's demons. I mean, we see the effects of the demons in the physical world because things wear out. Like when you go to your closet and one of your clothes is like unraveled, you, you know, you don't know how that happened. It was like there was spiritual beings unraveling that thing or destroying things, making things older, making things worn out. We see the slow physical destruction. Now, scientists may attribute it to time, but there's actually spiritual forces that have the destructive you know, job too, to make things wear out in the, in the physical world. Things are fine. Um, there is a hell and there is a heaven, but there's an interesting distinction that I think Christianity kind of has, like you're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. 
Um, from our perspective, we have Olama Zat, we have this world, and we have Olama Ba, the world to come. So really the goal is that we want to transform this world back into the Garden of Eden. We want to transform this world, the physical world, back into this spiritual paradise. That's the goal. Now, heaven and hell are kind of like almost like when the, when the, the shama, when the soul leads the body, a person may need some purification of their soul, and they go down to Gehenna. There are seven levels. They go down there, and the soul is purified. It's, it's, it's hell. I mean, it's, it's horrible suffering. No one will ever want to go through that. And then there's seven levels of heaven where the soul can wait until, you know, everything's fixed on this world. So they're not the ultimate destinations. They're, they're, they're you know, I don't know. They're like transit stations of where the soul is. You know, if the soul has elevated itself in this world, they can go to one of the, the heavenly you know, realms to wait. Or if the soul needs purification, they have to go to one of the, you know, the, the hell realms to like purify themselves. And I think it says like in different safers, there's like a very cold part of Gehenna and a very hot part of Gehenna. There's, there's both these punishments. You know? And, and the, pur- the purpose is not just punishment. Boom. You're punished for the rest of eternity. It's not the purpose of this of this at all. That would not be a loving God who made that by any stretch. Uh, the idea is that in this place you will regret what you did, because the idea is bringing the spiritual, bringing the physical world back to its spiritual beginning in 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 Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. The idea is not just punishment for the sake of punishment and reward for the sake of reward, but rather this is the unfortunate reality. If you do X, then Y happens. So don't do X, but if you do X, realize it and stop and think and try not to do it again and, and do, do uh, repentance. But if you happen to not do repentance, God forbid, after doing such a thing, you might, when you die, as it says in the uh, in, in the beginning with uh, in, in Cain and Abel, then then the sin will be over your will, will crouch over your, uh, your your the opening of your grave, uh, and uh, and and so it's there and it'll be dealt with, unfortunately, in the worst possible way. So be a good person now while you have the chance, and and do repentance as you can, so that you don't have to worry about that in the future. And I have people just walking into my house just one moment. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, not not a fun, you know, Gehenna's not a fun place. You know, not a... Yeah. <laughs> but it's hell. It's hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not supposed purpose. to be fun. There's not a purpose, and that's the point. Yeah. So, end of days, or... Uh, what what is the end of days, and what 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 are we looking for with the messiahs? Is is the seventh sign part of Judaism? Is is that something entirely different? You know what 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 should we all be looking for when we know that the messiah is returning? Right. So I mean, so a lot of signs are like we're. It seems like we're getting pretty close. It's it's interesting. Like one of the, it says in a the last Baraisa in Masechta Sota. It says, what's the sign of the ichvas de Meshika, the footsteps of the Messiah? What, what's it going to be like? It's interesting. It says one of the signs is actually inflation. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's uh, getting a little real. It talks about like a lot of families fighting with each other. Like um, 
you know, like the, the, the daughter will stand up against the mother, the son will stand up against the father. And we see like there's a lack of respect for the younger generations to the older. There's not a respect for elders anymore. It's called the generation with the face of the dog, meaning like a dog walks in front of the master and is constantly looking back to see where to go. The dog's not, the dog looks like it's leading, but it's not. And some of the famous Mepharshim are like the leaders are always looking back to see what the people want to do. And if you look at the politicians, they're always looking at the polls. Whatever the people want, they'll do. And they're not really like coming off their own ideas and great leaders anymore like in the past. It's like a generation from the face of the dog. They also say like the dog smiles on the outside. You know, people are nice to each other on the outside, but they're, they're mean, you know, inside. You know, all kinds of these conditions. Oh, should you have any other one? I mean, I can think of some more. Um... No, I will add that uh, interestingly enough, uh, in Judaism, obviously, so there's only one, uh, sorry, wait. Uh, there's only one um, uh, coming <laughs> of the Messiah. Uh, and he has to come within the, the first 6,000 years of, uh, of creation. And uh, at, at current count, we're at uh, 50, what are we, 57? Yeah, 5782. Uh, yeah, 5782. So it has to be in the next 218 years or so. And, and they actually think that there might be a, a, a we might be off by 100 years or so. In I, that I, heard, I heard a really interesting, Rabbi, uh, I think it's Pinchas uh, Winston, he had a, book called The End of Days, and he actually said that there's these two periods. There's a period called the Tichias Amazing, the Resurrection of the Dead, and he said that period had to be 210 years, like the 210 years we were slaves in Egypt, and he said there's going to be 40 years of gathering all the Jews back to Israel, just like the 40 years we were in the desert, and the 40-year period started in 1990, which is interesting. And it would end it, I think, 2030. And by 2030, if he's right, the the, the uh, resurrection of the dead period has to start. So we are really in a like a seven-year ballpark or something now. We're getting we're a seven, eight-year-old, seven, eight years or something. We're getting pretty close, if that's correct. But at the end of the day, we really don't know. Don't one know. Yeah. one yeah. thing we do has to be within six thousand years. There's no that that that's pretty much stated explicitly by. All agree. All agree to that, which it must be in the next 200, uh, 218 years or so. Um, yeah, I heard. I mean, I heard Rabbi Moshe Sternbach, who's like a great great grandson, I think, of the Vilna Gaon. Like in twenty fourteen, he he passed on a special secret teaching of the Vilna Gaon, and he was saying that when the Russians go into Crimea, start to get ready, and when the Russians invade a Constantinople or Istanbul. And put on your Shabbos clothes and don't take them off because that's it. And another another famous marker we have is it says in uh, the Gemara and the Talmud in uh, Yuma, which is on Yom Kippur, and it says it in uh, Masekta of Odazara, that there's going to be this great war between Edom and Paras. We could be looking at this great war between America and Persia, Iran. And it does seem there's a lot of growing tension between America and Iran. So these are like some of the signs we were given, it seems like a lot of this tension, especially with Russia now on the Ukrainian border. So whatever is happening, there's a lot in the mix. There's definitely a lot going on in the world. And then COVID on top of, you know, that that's something like almost supernatural, you know, shutting the down. Yeah. The commentaries have been saying that uh, that, that Gog and Umagog, Gog and the, the war of Gog and Magog, Mega, I don't know how they say in English. Um, is definitely Russia is definitely one of them. <laughs> so Russia yeah. has a big, big play 
play in this. And Russia is definitely getting, uh, you know, continues always. It seems to always be a, a big leader in the in the in the war, the, the world wars, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. In the prophecy of Ezekiel, um, it says that the Gog is described as the prince of Meshech and Tubal, and Aram Aforshim say that Meshech is Moscow and Tubal is Turkey. It would be a, a prince a king ruling from Moscow to Turkey. And it's looking like Vladimir Putin at the moment that he could be the first of the goats. It would be interesting. And then he would invade northern Israel and lose in like a miraculous fashion. So I don't know. I mean, we could be getting close to some of this stuff. That's not sort of terrifying. So these are things that, we, <laughs> they, they, that we're looking forward to because that means that something good's going to happen at the end. I, I hear what you're saying. It's like, yay, war. No, it's not a great thing. I mean, it's like... But I think the, the thing that we're looking forward to is going to the peace, the world peace that's also, you know, that Hashem's promises in the prophecies that there's going to be these wars, which is not going to be so great, but mankind finally getting along with each other and, and, and seeing a real peace in the world is really what we're hopeful for. That's like, that's what we want to get to. And at the end of the day, also, literally, at the end of the day, it's <laughs> part of the unintentional fun but at the end of the day if, as long as somebody has um as much trust and knowledge that god is is doing whatever is going on for good it doesn't really all the stuff that's going out on around that person what that can be completely terrifying and it seems very terrifying from you know what it says in ezekiel and and others um if you believe, if you truly believe, then it's not going to affect you. It's not going to terrorize you because you know. It's just the question is, how much do you really believe? And the more you believe, the, the less terrifying it'll be. And, and the possibility that it can happen through peaceful means. It just seems unlikely these days. Hopefully, I'm wrong. <laughs> through peaceful means. One of the great protections, the Gemara says there's two great protections in these days. There's learning Torah and doing mitzvot. But there's also doing gemilas chasadim, doing kind acts for people, and really, like that's the fix. We see, we see the signs are like you know the people fighting with each other, families fighting with each other, you know inflation. So it's like everyone's trying to make so much profit off each other that everything's so expensive. But really, the fix, how it all gets fixed, and maybe I mean I don't know if it's possible we we avoid these great wars, but it's as simple as people just getting along with each other. People just being kind to each other. That's what God's really looking for. That's what it's been from the beginning is, you know, we see in the Torah, the, the fighting generation after generation, but the fix is fighting against the gates of our fighting against our own physical desires and being kind to each other, connecting with each other. And we, and we have been giving these incredible tools like right here, we're on this internet. We can see each other, you know, different locations. We have a chance to talk and come to understanding and, you know, and, and pick people up and cheer people up. And that's the great fix in the world, you know. Toward, it, you know toward, it's even better for the three of us because we actually all live in the same city. But with this, we never actually have to see each other. So this is great. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of picking each other up, I'm going to stay on this, but I have to do carpool. <laughs> and I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go outside. I'm, I, at one point, I'm probably going to get off of my Wi-Fi. It's going to. It's going to be a little bit hard to talk to me for a brief moment. But I'm going to be uh, driving towards carpool. So I apologize now. Well, I got to be safe. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. Life happens. Um, 
All right, so while he's going to do something very non-mystical like carpool, um, <laughs> is, what is Jewish mysticism? Is there, is there any Jewish mysticism? Ah, yeah. So, right, it's, the light, it's like what's called the light side of the force. You know, the whole, <laughs> you know, the, the Jedi, the Yehudai, you know, the, the, the Jews, you know. the. So, I mean, so the, the Torah has four different levels. There's the level of Peshat, which is like the basic literal meaning of a Torah, of a Torah verse. The next level, we get into Midrashim, and it's called the level of Remes, where it hints to the secrets and the mysticism. The next level is Drash, where we expound all the laws, like all the halacha and, and you know the mitzvahs and the laws on the Torah. And the highest level is Sod, the secrets. That's the Kabbalah, you know, the Zohar, you know, the Sefer Yetzirah. We can go into Golems a little bit if you want. So, oh, yeah. and so. And so the first letter of each of these four words makes the word pardes, which is related to the word paradise. It means the orchard. So the, the Torah is the eighth Chaim, it's the tree of life. This is the essence of, you know, like connecting to this infinite being, the infinite source of life. So the highest levels, the mysticism, is what happens in the spiritual worlds when we do a mitzvah. Like what, what, what happens? We can... We we can unify these spiritual, you know, entities and these spiritual worlds, these spiritual structures. We bring them together, and when we bring unity into the spiritual worlds, it projects down to the physical world, and that's when we get to world peace. So that's like the goal. The goal is like using the light side of the force. Let's keep that analogy. <laughs> doing the midst, of, you know, so basically fighting against the eight Sahara, which would be like the dark side of the force, the Sith. You know, the you know, evil wants to separate people, get people to fight, get people to hate each other. You know, hate. Hate leads to much suffering. You know, it's like oh, there you go. so. The goal, the goal, the mystical goal is to fight against the hate to bring the unity. You know, to be people, uh, you know, working together. Moshe, can you still talk? I'm afraid to ask you a question. I don't want to like throw you off if you're driving. Or let's see if we still have him. Well, he, he has his mute on. Like I can okay. see that. Um, okay. <laughs> it, the the Star Wars stuff is a little bit tough. Um, because they've done so many bad movies uh, <laughs> since our youth, that it, that it's, it's just so, it's, oh, it's oh. just so sad. Um, I so I, I wanted to bring up I couldn't uh, I, I didn't realize I was on mute before. On uh, uh, the the, um, the Shachayim, which is a, a, an amazing book that was written, uh, it, was, it was by the the uh, Rabbi Chaim of Belajan, which is like, the greatest. Uh, student of the uh, Vilna Gaon, who was mentioned before, um, in the 1700s, um, maybe early 1800s, I'm not sure, uh, he, he talks about how when we, when we do uh, mitzvahs, when we do the commandments of the Torah, or, God forbid, the opposite, we do uh, uh, sins, uh, or, or don't do the mitzvahs, um, we affect this world in a great way. So... Uh, you know, he, he talks about this as like a chain of, of uh, links of, to, to different to the seven different olamos, the worlds that were created. There are seven worlds. Uh, we're on the lowest level world, and each world, each world above us, is, is more spiritual than the one before it. And each one is created is is uh, affected by our our works. In a way that kind of, if you look at a at a at a swing, let's say in a uh, at a playground, you know the kid on the bottom when he when he makes the effect on the bottom, the, the swing greatly moves. 
And on the very, very top, it moves just a, just very slightly. You can see it a little bit. Um, and that's kind of how it works with us. We, uh, when we do whatever we do, it, it makes a huge difference in this world, makes a, a, a great difference in the one about the world above us, and it keeps on going all the way up. And the, the very top is God, where we who does not get affected in any way, because He is the singular, simple God, one oneness um, that cannot be a, a changed in any way and perfect. But He allows this to He allows us to be part of this world. And, and the creation of this world and the and the movement of this world in both positive and negative ways. Okay. Juan, did you add anything to that? No, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's like um, right, we're just repairing these like spiritual structures and then, you know, we're trying to bring unity to this world. And um, so a person, if a person really refines themselves, so if you want to talk briefly about the golem or, you know, so a, a, per- a person can become so great so they can work on what's called their mitos. Like it's basically, um, you know, a person, you know, doesn't, you know, works on not getting angry. Like we all get annoyed. We all get annoyed by stuff. And, uh, you know, most of average, you know, we're average, you know, we're like, we get annoyed. You know, someone does something we don't like. Sure. Our general reaction is to get upset. But there's mm-hmm. some people that have reached such a great level. They refine themselves so much. They act in almost a supernatural manner. People do things to them, say insulting things. They don't care. People praise them. They don't care. They have this level of like, you know, Lahavdil, like, a, you know, the Zen master, the Yoda, you know, they, they reach a, a refined spiritual state and then they're doing only mitzvahs. So they're, they're such a holy level. They can have a huge effect. When you talk about being a partner with God, a partner with Hashem. So Hashem gives them an amazing role in this world, it even lets them like, partake in like supernatural events. So like a Moshe Rabbeinu, a Moses, Moses simply like he raises his, his staff. And by the way, that staff, I believe it was like, it was sapphire and gold and jewels. It's always portrayed as some like old gnarly, like piece of wood. It's a very <laughs> special staff that had like names of God on it and had like the, the first letter of all the flags. I'm very holy. It was the scepter that was also possessed by like King David King Solomon. So it was not like a Gandalf staff. It, was it wasn't like, a Gandalf. It wasn't just a stick, you know. But also, also while we're on the subject, the, the Ten Commandments were these beautiful uh, rectang- rectangle sapphires. They're always like this old stone, you know. It's like, it's like chiseled a couple letters. <laughs> so, I mean, these things were really miraculous. But like, you know, he, Hashem lets, you know, we're, we're starting now the Parshas of, uh, you know, the plagues in Egypt. And, uh, he let Moses and Aaron take part in these supernatural events. Like if a person reaches this great spiritual stature, they can have like a great effect on the world. They can have a great positive, almost supernatural effect on the world. And Shem makes them a partner in this. So like there was Rabbi Yehuda Lowe, the Maharao of Prague, and, uh, and it's rumored, and it's probably true, but he used a book called Sefer Yetzirah, which is like a book about the secret of, of Genesis, the secret of Mysa Bereshis. And it said that using that book, if someone's at a refined spiritual level, this is not, not easy. Like I've read the book, you know, a lot of times I'm nowhere near making a golem. <laughs> you know, it's very difficult. Don't give up. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, but he saw that the Jewish people were in trouble by these angry, you know, like Gentile mobs. And he created this, he created this life form. He created some kind of life form to defend the Jewish people. That's that's the legend, you know. That's uh, hmm. so there, there's very mystical stuff people can do in this world, but it takes a lot of work. It's really refining ourselves, and it's not, you know. 
So if I was making like golems, like first of all, it, it would be plural, and I would obviously become a crime lord. I mean, you know. So you would have a golem army. You would have a golem army. And- yeah, <laughs> and I would use them for self enrichment and 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 general evil. Yes. Right. So yeah. So that's why she made it a little difficult to do some of these things. <laughs> That's right. So, so one of those angels might have to come down and smite me or something. Oh boy! Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> I, that's probably a pretty good way to go. I mean, you know, I, I imagine the angel <laughs> of death is pretty efficient. What's that? Oh, a story <laughs> for a good story for your grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to get run over by the chariot of fire. You don't. Want to... <laughs> that's right. My my grandfather died of cancer. My grandfather had a heart attack. My grandfather died of old age. My grandfather got smiked by the angel of death. Of a fire sword decapitated him. <laughs> yeah, that 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 wins. Whole new meaning. Whole new meaning. The grandma got ran over by a reindeer. It wasn't a reindeer. It was a chariot of fire. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely a different kind of thing. But hey, flying reindeer, you know. Not... Then, then at least you may get the Vangelis music you know, playing in the background. Ooh. <laughs> that's no, we know the chariots of fire music, right? Chariots of fire. Yeah, I've got, I've got to figure out what song I'm going to use for the outro on this one. And I've got to come out with the, the title. I, I think maybe I'm going to use Garden of Delights. Ooh, Garden of Delights. I like it. Transforming. Uh, in the God of the Divina? You know, I would, except it's 17 minutes long. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit much for an, for an outro. But, yeah, no, I, I love that song. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I actually like the... Uh, what is it? Nas Hip Hop was dead. Who played to use that also in, in his song? Uh, use the Inagata Devita stuff. So yeah, that's fun stuff. I know you guys are down with the rap. Me too. It's like uh, it's like a twenty year old song, but and somehow I think I'm hip. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the illusion of middle age. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, middle age. Like I'm going to be hundred and six. <laughs> All right, so. What, what else do we have in terms of like mysticism and magic and and scary or fun stuff that, that, that's there that nobody normally associates with you know Judaism let we'll move off of the bagels and you know and, and, and reincarnation reincarnation yeah re- okay well reincarnation that's good I, I didn't know we even you know had that in, in Judaism yeah yeah if Gilgal that's what's you know, it's it's when uh, every it, 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 it's interesting. It's not just a that a soul then just comes right back, and it's another it's the exact same soul. It's kind of more like um, a, a fire from a candle that has another fire, uh, another wick, and and the wick gets uh, lit by that fire. The fire is still there, but now there's a wick that comes from it and uh, gets reborn in, into the world in order to do. What wasn't done in the in the first place that 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 uh, that the that that soul has um, hold it for one moment. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. My uh, secu- the security at my my son's school told me to put my phone down. <laughs> I, I heard that. So, so it sounded like a robot. Wow. Yeah, you didn't have to have a Google. No. Uh, no. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, there's the, 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 the soul needs to come back in order to be able to uh, uh, to do what was not done by that soul in order to have a, what's called a tikkun, uh, which is a correction um, in this in this world that that uh, that was missing, and uh, hopefully nobody needs it. But if, if you know people do need it at, at points, and and so they need to come back, um, and uh, and that's what that that's for. The golem does he look more like the Sandman or more like the Thing? <laughs> it probably looks more like clay. Is my guess like, or dirt? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would vote for Ben Grimm, the Thing. You know, I mean, you know, he was Jewish, by the way, Ben Grimm. I did not know that. Yeah, the, he was the Jewish member of the Fantastic Four. I mean, I know that Jack Kirby was that. Well, so was Stan Lee. Yeah, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yeah, Aunt Petunia, sweet Aunt Petunia. She was. She, they lived in Brooklyn. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, pretty much all. Uh, you know, so was uh, the creators of Superman. I mean, pretty pretty much all of the. Yeah, even Bob Kane, a, a Batman creator, was also Jewish. Believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to back to resurrection of the dead and, and Gilgulim re- reincarnations. Um, so it says in Masechta Tainus that Hashem keeps three keys. He's created angels that he's assigned to be in charge of certain things, but there's three special keys that he keeps. He keeps the key of rain, which is like, you know, everything that's growing in the world and people's like parnasa, their salary. He keeps the key of uh, childbirth, like exactly determine, you know, when the child's going to be born. And he keeps the key of the Fiesta Macy, resurrection of the dead. So it's interesting. So at times he's given the power over to human beings. So we see in the Torah, like Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, brought someone back to life. I think he, the boy he brought back to life became uh, Yonah, Jonah and the whale, the prophet Yonah. And then Elisha, his student, brought two people back to life. And I think one of the uh, people he brought back to life is the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And, um, and we even see in the Gemara, we see in the age of the Tanayim, the great Torah scholars in the age of like the, the late Greek Empire, the early Roman Empire, they they brought people back to life. They, they I mean, they, they they sometimes Hashem gave this power over to to bring someone back to life. And then in reincarnation, there's a whole book written about it by uh, the Arizal, uh, Rabbi Isaac uh, Luria. He wrote a book called Save Sha'ar Giguli the gate of uh, like reincarnation and talks all about different famous people in the Torah. They, they live different lives. A person can leave, live, I think about like three lives or so. Um, you know, they, a person, right. Their mission in the world is they have to keep completing things. They keep coming back. And I think a person can even be um, reincarnated into like an animal or, or like a mineral. Like, I mean, even water. Like, yeah. Man, even yeah. Water. Like if they had like very little, yeah, very little to do in this world. It's just like, you know, it's very, very mystical, very interesting. Uh, it's a whole, the, uh, you know, we a whole topic in itself about, you know, talking about this stuff. One interesting thing, it says Adam, the, the first man, it, uh, it, is, uh, his name is the initials of the three people he will, he, he will be reincarnated to become. Adam is the first one. And then the knowledge the, 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 of, of the word, the D of this word is David, David Amela. And, the, and then the M is, uh, is Moshiach. So 
Adam Harishon will become Adam David and Mashiach. Oh. You think that's an accident or that was on purpose? No, it's on purpose. That's what they say. Okay. That's the initials of his name. That's what they, that's what they say. Who's they? They, the, the comment, the great commentator, commentaries, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's it, what the exact source of that. I'm sure it's a midrash somewhere, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it's in the Zohar. Okay, so a couple times uh, you you guys have made reference to a couple different books, and I am sure that most of Lon's viewers know what all of these books are, but I am sure that none of my listeners and also my host doesn't know what all these books are. So. What is the Gomorrah? What is the Zohar? What what, what is the Midrash? What what are what are these books that you're you know who's this Rafi that, that we've heard a couple of times? <laughs> Rashi. Rashi. <laughs> good. Uh, good question. So um so the Torah right was given in the written component, which is like the Torah scroll you're probably familiar with. You know, sure. it's from Bar Mitzvah days. Um, so then the oral law, the Torah was meant to be like told, you know, to student, to teacher, parent, you know, parent to son. Um, so it had to be written down during the days of the Roman Empire because the Romans were just going around killing all the great Torah scholars. So they wrote it down first in a very like shorthand, like paragraph form called the Mishnah. And then it was further explained in the Gemara or Talmud. You know, so th- that's like the written, I mean, that's the oral component of the Torah. So it's the explanation of the written Torah. So I'll give you a great example. Like, for instance, like an eye for an eye, what it really means, like we learn in, uh, I think it's Baba, uh, Baba Kama or Baba Metzia, that it means there's just five kinds of damages a person's paid. If someone injures someone else's eye, they're actually paid for pain and suffering. They're paid for their medical expenses. They're, you know, they're paid for the you know, loss of work. They're paid for embarrassment. So some of these modern legal concepts actually come from the Torah, but it's not always so well known that this is from the oral Torah. You know, this, these concepts are from the oral Torah. So right, the Mishnah and the Gemara, the oral Torah, and then the Midrashim, the Midrash is a lot of stories that we also received at Mount Sinai, and they have like deeper mystical meanings. They, they give us more information about, you know, the stories in the Torah. And then I, what, what was the other books you were mentioning? I forget the Zohar. Oh, the Zohar. So, the, right, the Zohar is a book of Kabbalah that was written by, uh, it was written down by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That, and that's a whole fascinating story, like him and his son, Elazar. They, the they had to run away from the Romans. They lived in a cave for, I think, about 13 years. And they were actually visited by Eliyahu Hanabi, Elijah the prophet. And they were taught these deep mystical secrets of the Torah. And then he was allowed to write it down in this book called the Zohar. So it's one of the main books of Kabbalah. And Sefer Yetzira, the legend is, or our tradition is, that um, it may have been written by Adam. It may have actually been written by the first man. And if not, it was transmitted through Adam and it was written down by Abraham, actually. So it's a very old book. It's one of the oldest books we have. And it's the secret of creation. It's the secret of... Uh, so, right, so the sons of Jacob, it, it said... Uh, in some of the midrash that they created, like they could create these calves, like could, they could create animals using, you know, the wisdom in that book, Sefer Yitzira. It's a, it's a very, it's translated in English, like by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. You can find here, I can show you real quick. I can go grab it off the shelf. Sure. And, and, that's, and that teaches you how to make a golem if you're interested. Sure. In, in the meantime, I'll ask, um, what's, what's the deal with uh, Lilith? Oh, uh, if you're thinking 
what we're actually talking about. Um, it's the it's it's a midrash. Uh, it's there's this interesting. If you really look at the the, the words of uh, of Genesis, the beginning of uh, of the creation of man, is kind of almost two different uh, stories of how how woman was created. Um, and there, the midrash basically says, well, actually, Eve was got was Adam's second wife. Adam's first wife was Lilith, and um, she ended up wanting to be too much, have too much of the role of man and didn't get the idea that there's this difference between men and women. And she had a bad temper. And so what she did was she, she uh, in the middle of an argument with, with, with Adam, she cursed with using God's name. She cursed God. And she immediately flew away and became... Um, the mother of the demons, of the Shaden. Um, and so that's who she is. There's not really much, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know much more than that, but that's the idea uh, behind her. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> so, 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 so he had a, a, he had a mean first wife. Um, very mean first wife. <laughs> who, who, who actually seemed to be actually very, seems very modern, actually, you know, that, that, well, She flew. She knew how to fly. You know, she, 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 well, you know, she was able to fly. And so this, this, is, uh, this is Seferi at Zero by Rabbi Ari Kaplan. It's a translation into English. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes you can even find these at uh, Barnes and Noble, stores like that. You go to a Jewish bookstore, Amazon. But this is it. This is this teaches you how to make the golem. Not so easy, but uh, you know, if you want to get going on your army, you gotta. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I just need the right motivation. Yeah, yeah. that's the trick. <laughs> that's right. So it became the mother of monsters, or the mother of all of the the demons. The demons so, yeah, the mother of demons. Yeah. I don't know. You saying not a good role model? I'm thinking that's that's not pretty a good role model. pretty it's accomplished. Like so so is she still out there? Is she still out there somewhere? She's still out there. Yeah, she's still out. There. Yeah. Oh, this is great. We we should be looking for her. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own with that one. <laughs> okay, fine. I don't I, I don't get it. I, I think she would be very useful, especially, you know, in defending Istanbul or whatever. Along with the golems. I mean you, yeah. need, you need different phases. Uh yeah, yeah, the, everyone go through their, you know, mother demons phase, you know. Golem phase. <laughs> All right. So, is is there a lost tribe of Israel? Could be there's ten. A, Could be ten. ten of them. Yeah. Ten lost. So yeah, ten lost. now, now weren't there twelve tribes? Right. There's twelve tribes of Israel: uh, Yehuda, Judah, and Benjamin, Benjamin, um, and half of the tribe of, of Levi. 
lady um, are, are, are here, are known as the Jews. Um, most of them, other than the, the tribe of Lady, really, nobody knows really if they're Yehuda, Judah, or, or Benjamin. Uh, the, the Levi, there's a tradition um, of who the Levites are, uh, um, and uh, I'm one of them. Uh, I'm a Kohen, which is a, a priest, um, and we have a very good tradition on those. The other ten tribes were uh, were taken away by Sanhedrin. I don't know how you say that in, in, in English. Sam, Dan, I don't even know how you would say it. No, uh, it from the, the tribe, the, the, the country of Ashur, uh, Assyria, uh, took them away and enslaved them and then moved them to wherever they are. And they they got scattered and they, they, got, they got lost. And we're still hope, hopeful to be able to meet up with them at some point. But uh, the, the prophecy is that they'll, they'll be comes and they'll be they'll be known who they are. There are people walking around right now. They don't even know that they're that they're the, the, the you know B'nai Israel. They don't know that they're the children of Israel, but they will be found out and then they'll be uh, they'll come back. They're our brothers. All right. Do we have any idea where they might be? Right. So they could be. It's possible they just like are assimilated into other nations. Like for instance, like there's Jews from Ethiopia. So they may have been from one of the lost tribes, and then they slowly started re, you know, attaching themselves to the Jewish people. They had Jew Jewish traditions in Ethiopia. I think there's a, there's maybe a possibility that the tribe of Manasseh, one of the sons of Joseph, is is living in India. So there could be they just got very assimilated into nations. There's also a more mystical thing that they were actually like taken to this like mystical land. And there's like this river called the Sambatyon River, which is this river that's like very like a violent river with like rapids and rocks shooting everywhere. And then only on Shabbat, only on Shabbos, does it calm down and is tranquil, but you can't cross it because it's Shabbos. So it, there's a mystical that these 10 tribes could have, Hashem took them into this more mystical land that we can't quite, you know, get to. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, so they could just be assimilated into other countries and kind of almost forgot they were Jewish and they'll reemerge re when Mashiach comes, they'll be found. Or they could have been literally taken into a more like metaphysical, mystical place and then they'll be brought back. You know, I don't know. It's very, uh, you know, pick or choose what you like. What if Lilith got them? Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, I think that we need to, we need to have an, uh, the word an expedition to find her to make sure that the, those tribes are okay. Now this is this is the time we got to build our, our golem army, get our troops together, and go looking. Fight off Lilith and the hordes, and <laughs> that's right. The time has come. See, you were waiting. The time has come. Yeah, maybe Lilith wants to rejoin the fold. You don't know. She could be very. She, she could be very useful. Know. You know, she you know creates yeah. demons. Yeah, demons can be useful engines, I would think. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, if it's end of days, you, you want to marshal all, all, you know, you want to marshal all well, your forces. Well, it, but it's pretty much the opposite of what of what uh, demons are, though, by the way. It, they're definitely not useful. <laughs> oh, okay. What actually is interesting, King Solomon had said that he had control over the lower beings and the higher beings, and that he had a ring, I think, with one of the names of a Shimon, and he can control. He controlled the king of the demons, Osmodius, I think the, the name was. 
Yeah. He actually controlled it. But then, then this demon, so you don't want to mess around with demons. <clears throat> the demon actually like shot him way out of the palace, and he like was a commoner for many years until he returned to the throne. So, you know, you catch the demon with the ring, and the demon, you know, kicks you out of your own palace. So it's a dangerous game playing around with the demon. So you're saying the King Solomon had a ring that controlled demons? I, you know, now that I said it, I, I understand they would hear that part of it. <laughs> yes, that's very Tolkien. So there, so there is a ring out there that has a Shem's name on it that can control the king and the demons. Yes. What? That's so, that's so. Okay, wait. So Osmodius was he a, a child of Lilith, or you know? Well, yeah, I guess there's some kind of king queen situation going on there. I don't I don't know everyone's marital status, but yeah. so he married his mother. That's very demonic. I, right I there. don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's, you know, some kind of relationship there. But well, know. once you can grow wings and fly, I mean, what what's a little incest? Well, what, what, it is interesting. I believe it's Mesecta Thagiga, but it talks about, like, that angels and humans have certain qualities in common, and then demons and angels have certain qualities in common, and then demons and humans have certain qualities in common. And I believe that, that like, the demons were a lower spiritual being than the angels. So I think they actually like eat and drink and they, um, and they actually have children. I think they, they have physical relations and have children somehow. Yeah. Shade them are, I am going to have to wrap this up soon. If that's okay. Is that, uh, yeah, I know it, it's fine. I was actually wondering how long your show normally goes. Cause I, I didn't want to go over your normal length. But if you enjoy it, I mean, we can always have a part two sometime talk about some more mystical stuff. It's all up to you. Yeah, I think it was great. It's just you'll have to lead because I don't know what the other mystical stuff is. So, but that's <laughs> okay, a, but but you know, de- demon rings, and uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff coming down the pike. No, that, that that'd be great. Lord of the Ring and Gollum. I mean, come on. I mean. <laughs> no, this yeah, it's fantastic. This is this is all very yeah, it's very Norse. This is great. Um, okay. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for allowing uh, me to do this crossover. Thanks for bringing Garden of Doom into Good and Sweet Torah. Uh, and uh, Moshe, thanks for bringing your knowledge. You lied to us in the beginning when you said you know nothing. You know plenty. I already knew that. I was going to call you a liar early on, but I decided to not call you a the name and let you prove yourself a liar. So there you go. The, the more you know, the more you realize you know very that's the whole purpose of my show is that I know that I know very little and I find people who can tell me so I don't have to look for the answers myself all right so hopefully this will be the first of many crossovers sweet and good Torah and Gordon and Doom and and Moshe's expertise all right great all right we'll talk again soon thank you so much have a great one you too bye bye la luna me se scoreció, la mer se hizo preta. Conja mia, conja mia, chichek de mi cabeza. La luna me se scoreció, la mer se hizo preta.
Oh, oh, oh. 